Hello and welcome to the Carolina Snowflakes podcast, where two Southerners come to terms with their liberal snowflake tendencies. We're your hosts. I'm Amanda. And I'm Jason. And we're here with episode number 19 of the Carolina Snowflakes podcast. This one's called Animals with More Clout Than You. Uh, and all the animals we're going to talk about in this have more clout than, than any than, 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 than either of us or probably anyone that's listening. Yep. Um, unless we're really lucky and somebody super famous is listening. Uh, but before we get into that, we really got to close up the the, the huge uh, cliffhanger ending we left people <laughs> with on the last episode about <laughs> buckles on pilgrim hats. Oh, yeah. Because I think we we sort of left that unsolved, like right. an unsolved like mystery. Like what is a, why did they have buckles on their hats. Yeah, so as it turns out, I did some reading into this, and, it, and they didn't have buckles on their hats. We were just wrong about that. Um, it wasn't until... Buckles didn't come into fashion until decades after the pilgrims left England and were used as a status symbol because they were the most expensive type of fastener. Oh. So the pilgrims used, like, leather straps to tie their shit together because they were poor. And oh. then the people back in England... They would go, like, get their portraits done, like, a few decades later, and I guess they were kind of trying to show how badass they were to the poor-ass pilgrims in America, so they would, like, wear their their buckles and be like, yeah, bitch, I got a buckle. Y'all poor motherfuckers <laughs> in America ain't doing so good. And it's so, like, I think it was, like, a, it was a way for the British to sort of ball on uh, the American pilgrims. So it was just for show. Yeah. Served no... Real. Served no purpose whatsoever. Apparently, uh-huh. they didn't even use buckles for their pants. They used leather because that's how poor they were. Interesting. Okay. Well. And so, yeah. So the so the pictures we see of the cone hats were just like uh-huh. a way for the British, like I don't know, like uh, Instagram, yeah, star themselves, like to get <laughs> to get to show how much ball and money they had. Well, who knew? Yeah, yeah. I well, that's this is what I learned. So I'm glad. I, uh, we I'm were glad able to fill in the audience in, with yeah, that. <laughs> I'm glad you looked into that. Thank you. You're welcome. So it's kind of funny to think about because in the way that, you know, the uh, Puritans in England were like flexing, like Instagram, Snapchatting <laughs> the uh, the pilgrims over here in America showing off. There are animals that do that to humans. There are animals that like flex their clout on other humans. Yeah. Like, yeah, check me out. Look at um, me. I'm I got famous. more. I got more internet likes than you do. Uh-huh. Um, I think sometimes like presidential ones is the first thing that comes to my mind. For sure, presidential pets yeah. have more clout than the rest of us uh, than, do. Than people, yeah. And sure. speaking of presidential pets, did you know that we're going to finally get pets back in the White House now Woo! with Biden? Yes, thank goodness. Yeah, Joe Biden has rescue dogs. He does. He has, I think they're both German Shepherds. Or something. I don't I know. I think they're both German Shepherds. I'll have to look it up. I know they're rescues. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So we've spent the last four years. Four years. With Donald Trump. With some guy that doesn't have dogs. <laughs> no pets. Like, no pets at all. He no doesn't even have a all. fucking goldfish, nothing. Yeah, no. The goldfish, he looks at me smugly. I don't like it. Which is really strange. Yeah. Because America, yeah. presidents, they always have a pet. I had a goldfish, but I fired it. <laughs> he probably, he would. Yeah, I know, he, he would. He would fire a pet. All it did is swim in circles. And it's also a little unusual because the Trumps have a child, like Baron. Yeah. And they do. Oftentimes, the way that pets wind up in the White House right. is because the presidents have had kids mm-hmm. and kids want pets, so they bring them in. Yeah. But not in the case of 
the Trumps. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of imagine Baron have like a having like a uh, the toy scenario where he's got like Richard Pryor as a pet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But now the Obamas, they had they had two dogs. Yeah. They I had, do remember that. They were the Portuguese water dogs. Mm-hmm, water dogs, yeah. Because hypoallergenic. Yeah, because Malia had allergies yeah. so bad that they had to get these dogs that don't shed or don't, I don't yeah. know, put, Speaking of that, put allergies in their noses. Yeah. Speaking of that, did you know in 2016 when Scott Walker was running for the Republican nomination for president, he had an allergy to dog dander that the a lot of pundits considered to be a liability to him getting elected. That's interesting. I mean, it's really, it's a thing. That's Presidents hilarious. historically have even used their pets as like campaign vessels. Like If Donald Trump has a pet, it's Lindsey Graham or his hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the two things. <laughs> or both. Yeah, or both. <laughs> or both. So yeah, so the Obamas had pets. They had mm-hmm. two dogs. Um, the Bushes, W, he had... Oh, yeah, W had dogs. Yeah, he had three dogs and a cat. One of W's dogs named Spotty... Spotty, nice. Which was an English Springer Spaniel, was the offspring of George Sr.'s... H.W.? Yeah, H.W.'s dog, Millie. Awesome. Yeah. See, that's cool. They were like super, like that family was awesome in dogs. that literally made Spotty the first animal to live in the White House under two administrations. Nice. Because she was born as a puppy with Millie while H.W. was in office, and then when... W came in, she was the dog there. That makes her pretty freaking yeah, special if you think about neat? that. That I, is neat. Yeah. And then, of course, before the Bushes, we had the Clintons. Mm-hmm. And the Clintons had probably one of the most photographed pets. And the one that I personally remember the most, Socks the Cat. Socks the Cat. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember. I was going to make a Lewinsky joke, but I'm just going to not. No, no, <laughs> no that's a totally Im- different thing. Imagine what that joke would have been. Uh, yeah, nope. And nope. then whatever you imagine, my joke would have been worse. Mm, <laughs> yeah. So, do you remember? Something about a beaver. Do you? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Ew. Any, anyway. Do you remember socks? Yeah, I do. Socks, yeah. Socks, the cat. It looked like it had socks on. I remember that. Yeah, it was a tuxedo. Mm -hmm. And socks was a stray Mm -hmm. that Chelsea brought home one afternoon after some piano lessons back Mm. when they were living in Little Rock. Okay. And so when... When Bill got elected president, socks <laughs> socks went with them. That's awesome. To the White House. That's cool. Socks actually became kind of like an icon. Like, really? Yeah. It, like a meme. No, well, I mean, sort of a meme, but it was not like pre-meme meme. Pre-meme meme. Yeah. There was so you you had the regular White House website mm-hmm. for like adults yeah and then you had a kid's version of the white house socks became the face of the the children's website for the white house that's interesting so socks was like the he he was like the clippy the paperclip for the for the kids yeah kind of and also when i hated clippy oh i know good riddance riddance that thing was so annoying to just pop up and be like can i help you with this yeah you're like no yeah no you can't socks was like the annoying pop-up thing probably because i'm thinking the 90s kind of and also so socks was on the the website the children's version of the white house website Mm. and socks was um when you would go um tour the white house with like the kids' school groups or whatever, they had a cartoon version of Socks as the tour guide that would lead you around the facilities. I see. I bet the QAnon people think they use Socks to lure kids for whatever. (laughs) 
Um, probably. Yeah, I they, wouldn't, they I wouldn't do not like the Clintons. Those Billy Ray, he hates questionable yeah. at best. So mm-hmm. Bill actually wound up adopting um, a Labrador Retriever near the end of his second term that he named Buddy. I don't remember that one. You don't remember Buddy? No, I don't remember that. Well, Sox hated Buddy. Oh, <laughs> like, Sox and Buddy did not they get along. They did not get along. That's funny. And Bill was once quoted as saying, I did better with the Palestinians and the Israelis <laughs> than I've done with Sox and Buddy. <laughs> well, uh, I never, never ever faulted Bill for not having a sense of humor. No, so apparently they fought like cat and dog. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> and when the Clintons left the White House, they took Buddy with them to their new home, but they actually left socks in the care of Clinton's <laughs> secretary, Betty Curie. Oh, okay. But that wasn't the end of socks. See, there because... was another joke there I'm just going to not do, but yeah. we'll go. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> but that wasn't the end of socks. Um, he was kind of legend at that point. Yeah. So socks continued to make public appearances, like Sweet. rolled through the Little Rock Christmas parade, uh-huh. like, and lived a good life. Socks lived to be 20 years old. That's good for a cat. Yeah. So that's all like kind of the recent, more mm. recent pets that have been in the White House. But if we go back a bit, yeah, there have been some really interesting pets that have gone through our capital. I bet. I bet back in the day it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, for example, in addition to horses and dogs, America's first president, George Washington, had a parrot named Snipe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And James Madison and Andrew Jackson also had parrots, and Thomas Jefferson had a mockingbird named Dick. They all had parrots and a mockingbird. Yeah. I can imagine the parents the parrots probably said the N-word a lot. Um I mean I it, just imagine they did. It was Johnson and Jackson, yeah. so it's a there's a strong possibility. Those were some racist ass parrots. Yeah. Martin Van Buren briefly had two tiger cubs as pets. Nice. That were gifted to him by the Sultan of Oman. But Congress eventually forced him to donate the tigers <laughs> to a zoo. Wow. So he was like the original Joe Exotic. Can you imagine, though, that Congress House. had to, like, make him do yeah, that? they were like, dog, you got to get rid of these tigers, man. They were like, although these are, like, cool in theory, um, yeah. we're going to have to make you get rid yeah, of them. Yeah, you've got them. kind of a Tiger King scenario developing here. Yeah, this is too much. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln had an assortment of pets, including goats. Really? Yeah. Wow. A turkey named Jack, dogs, horses, and two cats named Tabby and Dixie. And Lincoln once said, Dixie is smarter than my whole cabinet. (laughs) Burn. Yeah. yeah. Take that, cabinet. (laughs) Yeah. Rutherford B. Hayes had also had an assortment of pets, including a cat named Siam, which was the first Siamese cat in the United States. Whoa. Yeah. So a lot of these pets actually came from other like, like foreign dignitaries. dignitaries gifting them. They're like here, how so between exotic... like yeah, between children huh. um of the presidents wanting pets and keeping pets and then these foreign important people gifting pets. There's been like all kinds of things that have wandered through the White House. That's really fat you know what it makes me wonder? It makes me wonder about the emoluments clause. Like is it because since it's alive and like it's gonna end up costing you money, it's not really a gift? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of like when Oprah gave people a car, but no insurance. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, and tax too. Like yeah. To pay the property tax. Yeah. So, like, Oprah's like, here's a car, and you're like, thanks, thanks for taxes for and nothing. insurance. I got to pay now. I got to pay more. Sweet. Benjamin Harrison had two possums. Uh huh. 
And he named them Mr. Reciprocity and Mr. Protection. Wow. Which he named Fancy. From, yeah. Which he named from the 1896 Republican platform. Okay. Protection and reciprocity are twin measures of Republican policy and go hand in hand. That's weird. I don't really associate possums with rep- I don't really associate possums with anything. Yeah, I don't know, but he had them. They can't get rabies. That's an interesting thing about that possums. That is true. They yeah. are low on the scale of rabies vector. Because they're the only marsupials that live in North America. And they eat a lot of ticks. And yeah, they can't get but rabies. they don't so, get rabies. You know, there's some good things about possums. Yeah, I guess so. And he liked them. Well, they're way less rabid than the Republican Party is now. So, oh. Oh. <laughs> so he had the two possums, but his son, Russell, had... Two alligators that he kept in the White House conservatory. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just just, just normal. Alligators, just normal. You know. Just strolling the White House ground. Like, oh, there's the alligators. Oh, yes. The, the gators. Don't mind the gators. What is a swamp town up there? Yeah, I guess so. By far, the president with the most pets in the White House was Theodore Roosevelt. Okay, Teddy. Yeah, old Teddy. But this is in least, uh, at least in part due to the fact that he had so many kids. Yeah. Like there were pets everywhere. <laughs> they had everything from cats and dogs to guinea pigs, chickens, a lizard named Bill. Nice. A rat named Jonathan, a badger named Josiah, <laughs> pigs, rabbits, and a laughing hyena, wow. <laughs> which was a gift from the emperor of Ethiopia. Wow. Well, I mean, Teddy was, he was an outdoorsman, that guy. Yeah, he was. But his kids. They were like, I want a rat. There's a story about like one of his kids barging into a, a meeting with him and, you know, his cabinet people <laughs> and dropping a handful of garter snakes on the, the tabletop. <laughs> and it just being like, hmm, oh, snakes. Snakes. And Carrying on. Carrying with, on. Moving with conversation. on Wow. And Warren G. Harding had a squirrel named Pete. Pete. <laughs> just Pete. Just uh, a squirrel named Pete. It's Pete the squirrel. Calvin Coolidge had a pygmy hippo named Billy. Wow. A uh-huh. hippo. A bobcat named Smokey and a raccoon named Rebecca. Rebecca. Who became his wife Grace's favorite pet. Wow. Yeah, and she would, like, there's photographs. You can go look up um, Rebecca and Grace. (laughs) And she had a little leash and harness for the raccoon and would take her out on public strolls and be photographed. That's interesting. See, raccoons can get rabies. Yeah, but I guess they raised her from, like, a baby, so she wasn't exposed. I wonder if they would have been insulted if we called it a trash panda. Trash panda. Well, they did. The Coolidge's had... A trash panda. A trash panda. <laughs> and interestingly, that was where it kind of ended with the exotic pets in the White House. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> was we got to put the kibosh on Yeah, this. it was with the Coolidge's. Uh-huh. So basically after that point, it became the more standard traditional pets of yeah. like dogs or cats and horses okay. and stuff. Although JFK's daughter Caroline raised a whole bunch of ducklings. On okay. White House grounds. Ducklings are pretty adorable. No, they're precious. They wound up having to like take them out of the grounds though because the dogs were... Fucking with them? <laughs> yeah, the hound yeah. dogs were going after them. Okay. And the Kennedys also had a slew of like horses and ponies um, and even some hamsters. Yeah, I knew the at least one of the kids liked to ride horses. That was a thing. Yeah. So mm. when I was looking up all this information about presidential pets and pets with more clout than you or I (laughs) and anyone else Uh I was like I wonder if 
the pets of the presidents and the president's family get the same like protection yeah <laughs> that the presidents get i don't know you secret know, because, service <laughs> yeah well because you know like when you become president in the u.s mm -hmm. you get yeah protection you're protected by the secret service basically until you die yeah well animals don't usually live as long except the parrots in that case i don't know what happened to those parrots those racist yeah. parrots yeah I know those racist andrew I'm just, jackson's racist i'm determined parrot. they were racist they were they absolutely <laughs> were yeah um so I, I had looked it up. I was like, what are there like? Yeah. Do you get, if you, does the dog get his own agent? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, how this does this work? Um, the technical answer is no. The agents are not obligated or contractual, you know, obligation to protect the, the presidential pets. It's as, just assumed they would do it out of common courtesy. Yeah. And most of them end up doing it yeah. that way. So like... You can see pictures from when Obama was in office, like their Secret Service, like walking the two dogs yeah. or um, when Reagan got to be like too immobile. There are photos and video of like the Secret Service agents running and playing with his dogs out on the ranch. That's cool. Yeah. So they weren't obligated to yeah, do but, that. Yeah, I but mean, you're gonna. And they also know that like it's in their best interest to keep the animals safe when they're on duty because animals are also kind of a liability as far as like access to or potential access to people who might do harm. Right. So it's not in writing that they have to look after the cat. It makes sense <laughs> But it's probably for the better that they yeah, do. Yeah, and also it keeps your boss happy. You know what I mean? And also they're pets. So like yeah. you have to imagine these like guys in suits and little earpieces ear yeah you know they're tired of looking at the president all day and they get to go walk the dog yeah kind of like a win-win yeah. sort of so when i was looking into the president's pets i also wanted since we're the carolina snowflakes i did want to look into our local um elected official pets <laughs> okay so specifically because i know about cooper's pets okay. because i follow them on facebook <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bet you do so roy cooper is the governor of north carolina and he currently has three cats and three dogs wow one dog just passed away last month but they got another one and then or no one dog passed away last month and then a new kitten showed up like the very next day so now they've got three and when three. god closes a door he opens a window they actually put that as like their status <laughs> when they introduced the new kitten heaven needed another dog yeah and then they were really like when god closed one door the other door opened and this little tiny kitten walked in uh-huh i'm sure they said that so it's they so got freaking cliche so they got themselves a new kitten platitude and if anyone wants to follow they have a facebook page called first pets of north carolina okay. and they have more fans than we do yeah i'm like sure they do a lot yeah. <laughs> by like thousands it sucks the cat has a wikipedia do we do we don't have a wikipedia. no we don't yeah. i know these animals have more clout than us yeah well maybe one day someone with actual more clout than any of these animals will listen to us and think we should help them out give them some more clout so since cooper had Oprah. pets that i knew about because i follow them i was like does the governor of south carolina have pets well yes henry mcmaster is the governor of south carolina and he's a one dog kind of guy hell yeah was one dog <laughs> yeah he's got a bulldog named little mac little mac but he's only ever had one bulldog so Little Mac is like number five, I think, in his tenure of bulldog ownership. So like he gets a, 
a white bulldog keeps it till it dies. Yeah. Then gets another one. And, and just names it the same thing. And they're all like named Mac or some variation yeah. of like. Okay. I think the last one might have been Boots or something. I can't remember. There's something kind of weird about that, but I. It's a little strange, like but at least he has a pet. Yeah. Eh. Okay. So he's not like a total turd. <laughs> I mean, he's mostly a turd, but yeah, maybe that's... not a total turd. That's very interesting. We still, yeah, either way, let, Donald Trump has none, so. None. Nothing. None. Not even a Chia pet. Not even. I would have a Donald Trump Chia pet yeah. to try to grow his hair. Yeah. And then comb it over. He's got, he doesn't even have a pet rock. Dude's got nothing. Right. Just Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham's a pet. Yeah. Or uh, Turtle Man. Turtle Man. Oh, well, see. Mitch McConnell. I think Mitch, see, I, I, that's where I disagree. I think Mitch McConnell's way more evil and long-term thinking than uh, Trump. He's not the same as Lindsey Graham. That's he's not true. He's not just he's a, a, like, whipping boy that no, you can just No, he's a use. methodical evil. He has been, though, but I felt like you're right. He... He kind of fulfilled that role with Trump when he needed to, when it was necessary during the last four years. But I don't think he just willingly enters that role in such a way that like Graham does. I, yeah, I, I I think you're right. I think I think that Graham is more of like a, like what you would call a pet. Yeah, he'll just be like, okay, you want me to do that now? Okay, yes, and sir. McConnell's more like oh, I don't know. Ah, the ah. House also fucked our long term strategy in the Senate. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Different from owning pets and being famous because you're, uh, you know, owned by a president, there are actually pets that have had uh, elective office or animals that have had elected office. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there's uh, Stubbs the cat. Mm -hmm. Stubbs is a cat who was the mayor of Talkinita, Alaska, from July 1997 until his death. Um, Stubbs the cat was called Stubbs because he was missing his tail. He just had a little stub. They don't actually have a mayor, so the town is like a historic village, and when they had a vote, People rode in Mayor and rode in Stubbs the Cat. Aww. And he won by a landslide. That's precious. So he got the title of Mayor of the Town. Mayor and people Stubbs. came to see him. And every afternoon, Stubbs would go to a nearby restaurant and drink water laden with catnip out of a wine glass. Aww. Yeah. Stubbs. And, uh, you know... He died in 2017 at 20 years old. Wow. That was a, that's a long life for a mm -hmm. cat. So Stubbs is resting in peace now, but he was the mayor of this town in Alaska, which is pretty funny. Mm -hmm. And people, they had a Senate race, and a lot of people even wrote him in on the Senate <laughs> they race. They were like, Stubbs for Senate. And he put out a television commercial where he was like, both the Republican and Democrat candidates for Senator Terrible. Vote for me instead. <laughs> the I'm cat had a commercial. I'm Stubbs the cat. <laughs> That's yeah. adorable. I know. Isn't that awesome? Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then um, if we go across the pond, oh, there oh. is a title. There is an official title for cats. So check this out. The chief mouser to the cabinet office is the title of an official resident cat of the prime minister at 10 Downing Street in England. Uh-huh. There has been a resident cat in the English government employed as a mouser and pet since the 1500s, wow. although modern records only go back to the 1920s. Wow, okay. The, listen to this. Though other cats have served at Downing Street, the first one to be given an official title of uh, chief mouser by Her Majesty's government was Larry in Larry. 2011. <laughs> Larry. Others have been given this title affectionately, usually by the British press, but in 2011... Larry was given the title officially. Mm. The title, it's interesting, it, it has no term limit and ends on retirement or death. Aww. So if you get the title, you are that. 
And the longest serving mouser was a cat named Wilberforce. Wilberforce was a cat who lived there uh, from 1973 to 1986 and served under four different British prime ministers, including Margaret Thatcher. How interesting. Margaret Thatcher used to bring Wilberforce cans of tuna from the market down the road. Oh, here you go. So like you, you, you get elected prime minister, you move in, you just, and you have a cat. Yeah. Cause they have kind of a rat problem there. Right. And so the, but the cat comes with the property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't get to choose it. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a title in itself. That's adorable. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. It says that uh, the black and white cat Wilberforce turned out to be a very good mouser. The policeman on security duty at the front door of number 10 had instructions to ring the bell for him to come in at night. Mm. So like the police had to do, yes, come on, Wilberforce. It's time to come in. Ding, ding. I just find that hilarious. And yeah, he retired in 86 after 13 years of loyal service Mm. and went to live on a farm. He was the longest serving mouser, but... uh, Larry is the current server. So Larry's the one that's still there. From 2011 now. Now, is Larry's the one, I remember there being like a news story a few years ago. where He the, was sleeping down on the yeah, job. Yeah, the cat yeah. was in front of the car or under mm-hmm. the car, and so they couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, and then there was pictures of mice running across 10 Downing Street. And everyone's like, where the hell is Larry? And Larry! Larry's just laying around not doing shit. You've got a job to do, mister. He, yeah, he is the uh, official mouser, but he's not as efficient as Wilberforce okay. was. Okay, oh, Larry. Yeah, so I mean, Larry's cute, but you know. So aside from the regular fare of cats and dogs, as you decided to go into a little deeper, I started thinking about historical animals, and I started thinking about horses. Okay. And there are there are a few horses I wanted to talk about because these horses have some real significance. So there was a horse uh, that Alexander the Great, the famous Greek uh, leader and awesome all-around badass, uh, had a horse named Bucephalus. Okay. Bucephalus was his is one of the most famous horses in all of world history. He was described as being black with a huge white star on his forehead, which means he probably looked pretty badass. Mm-hmm. And... His name is a combination of Boas, meaning ox, and Cephalus, meaning head. So, Bocephalus, oh, ox head. Okay. Um, in the second century, so this is this is a long time ago, just thinking about, like, that we still know the name of this horse. Um, Plutarch wrote in his Life of Alexander that Bucephalus was given to him as a gift from his father, Philip II. The horse was too ma- uh, vicious and unmanageable for anybody. Nobody could train this horse. And Alexander realized that it got distracted by its shadow, mm-hmm. so turned around towards the sun, snuck up behind the horse, and got on its back. And his dad was like, dude, that is sick. <laughs> That's going to be your horse. That's your horse, man. And I'm going to give you the kingdom of Macedonia for it. And so the kingdom of Macedonia was given to him for taming that horse. Well, I want a kingdom for <laughs> For taming for a horse. Tame, I, taming, I don't know. Yeah, Give me so a kingdom. Alexander rode Bucephalus until the horse's death at the Battle of Hypsaides in 326 BC. My goodness. I know. Okay. We were talking a long ass time ago. Yeah. And um, when the horse died, he named this local city Bucephalia, um, which is in the modern city of Jerusalem in the Punjabi province of Pakistan. There's a city called Bucephala named after... After the horse. After this horse in Pakistan. Okay. And then there's another town... That's named uh, in the in Pakistan's Mandai Budai district in Punjabi. That's named Alexandria Bucephalus. So mm-hmm. it's named after him and him the horse. Him and the horse. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's tons and tons of paintings of that horse. It is one of the most famous horses in all of history. It has cities named after it. Well, I mean, it's pretty important. They didn't have cars. They yeah, didn't I mean, have tanks. Yeah. I mean, if you were gonna battle, you had to get on your horse. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, like. 
That's kind of an important horse. Mm-hmm. And just as a, a interesting tidbit, Aphex Twin, the uh, electric music artist, made a song called Bucephalus Bouncing Ball that's supposed to sound like horses riding into battle. Oh. Yeah. Neat. So there you go. There's a little interesting factoid for yeah. you. Okay, there's another famous horse from another guy. This guy wasn't Greek, though. He was Roman. Little dude named Caligula. You may have heard of him. Sounds familiar. Yeah. So we had a, a horse named Incitatus. Mm-hmm. Incitatus. You know, it's Roman. It sounds all weird. He was his favorite horse, and he was going to make it a council, supposedly, like he wanted to make it a senator. And according to Suetonius, riding in like 121 AD, so we're not that far from the other horse, but still a good few hundred years. Caligula planned to make him a council, and that the horse would invite dignitaries to come stay over, and that he had a gem-studded collar, an ivory manger, purple blankets, and he ate oats mixed with gold flakes. Wow. (laughs) And that Caligula also made it a priest. So basically, this confirms that horse people have always been weird. Been weird as hell. Yeah, horse people are weird. Right. Now, it says it could be a joke or satire on Suetonius, or Caligula could have thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. Um, No one really knows, but it's become a metaphor in art, and incitatus has been used in songs and paintings to to symbolize like greed and um, incompetence in government, and so okay. sometimes in political cartoons they might show like incitatus next to the word whatever party that they, they don't like, and the show a ship sinking or something like that. It's a way of the name has been used over time, which I think is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So that horse lives on uh, in its name, and then um, for the last horse I have, we have probably the best horse that ever lived. This story, this story is going to blow your mind. So <laughs> okay, I'm ready. We're going back. To the Korean War, okay? Okay. And imagine this. During the Korean War, there's all kinds of shit going on. There's a Marine there, and the Marine goes to a horse track. And there's a Korean guy, a South Korean guy at the horse track, who's like, I got to sell this horse. I need an artificial leg. My leg got blowed up by a landmine. And the dude's like, I'll give you $250 for this horse. And he does. And then the Marine takes the horse back. It's like, hey, hey, Sarge or whatever. <laughs> hey guys. Check it out. I got this fucking horse. I got a horse. <laughs> which is really crazy to think about, but... That's what happened. And then they were like, huh, maybe we could train this horse. And so they began training it and they called it hoof training Mm -hmm. and they gave a guy the horse and they were part of what was called the recoilless rifle division. They used these 22 pound bullets that shot these gigantic recoilless rifle rounds. Okay. So they're like, uh, like mortars, almost big, huge guns that sit on wheels and each bullet for it is a huge 22 pound thing. So they use the horse to carry the recoilless rounds into oh. battle. So the horse's name was a Korean name that meant like Morning Star or something, but mm-hmm. nobody could pronounce. Mm-hmm. So they started calling it recoilless mm-hmm. because it delivered the recoilless ammo. Well, it wasn't long into the war that the the recoilless rifle platoon started calling themselves the reckless platoon because it just sort of fit. Mm-hmm. So she became reckless. The horse became okay. reckless. Mm-hmm. And so they taught reckless how to carry this ammunition and reckless became really, really good at it. Okay. And she served in numerous combats. I mean, to the point where she was uh, awarded four Purple Hearts. Aww. She got injured multiple times. Aww. At her most famous battle, she carried uh, over 51 trips, solo trips in a single day, carrying over 386 rounds of ammo. Oh, that's over 9,000 pounds of ammo. Wow. Uh, covering over 35 miles. Wow. In one day by herself. With no handler. And sometimes when she would drop the ammo off, she'd come back with an injured soldier. 
So she might carry carry a person on her. For 18 straight hours, she just ran that path back and forth, driving Aww. ammo and picking up soldiers. And she was injured twice during that battle and kept going. Well, I'd say that was a good investment. Yeah. She was a badass. And she was, okay, so she was the kind of horse she was, was this like Mongolian horse that has these special hard hooves. Mm-hmm. So you never... Sh- put shoes on them Mm -hmm. so she could walk on rocks oh Mm -hmm. useful yeah and this horse is also always kept outside it's never kept in barns and it will eat anything she was famous for eating anything she's like a goat yeah she would eat cans of (laughs) coca-cola i bet she would she would drink beer she would eat her horse blanket all the time like they would give her this like nice silk blanket that said you know sergeant reckless and her her platoon and everything on it and she would just eat it immediately She used to sleep in the tents with the soldiers at night. Mm -hmm. She would like come into your tent if it was cold and curl up next to you and sleep with the soldiers and drink beer with them. One time she ate $30 worth of poker chips during a (laughs) poker game. (laughs) And she she kept getting promoted. She got promoted all the way up the staff sergeant in the military, like literally kept getting promoted. So this horse had higher rank than some people. Than most people. Yeah. (laughs) Than most people. Yeah. And... um. During these battles, she would she would not only return wounded soldiers and bring ammo, but she learned how to crawl under barbed wire oh. so the soldiers could get off and climb over the barbed wire and she could get Go down and hunch under it, which is insane to even imagine. Neat. And so she was given a, a statue. There's a statue of her at um, in Quantico, Virginia. There's also another statue of her in Lexington, Kentucky. So she's really, she's known as America's greatest war horse or the world's greatest war horse. Wow. I know. Isn't that awesome? That is cool. Is she, um, I read an entire book about her. It was really fascinating. So she, because she was this kind of horse that would eat anything, like you couldn't leave her alone with stuff because she would like. She'd she eat would it. Eat stuff she wasn't supposed to. People's <laughs> hats. You know what I mean? Like there was no telling. She was just like, I'll eat it. Huh. And um, so she was reckless. She was. She was very reckless. <laughs> and um, she retired. And given her that she held rank, she was entitled to uh, retirement, which they. the Like government the, benefit the, retirement. The Marines settled on giving her lodging and food for life. So she was given and retired with honors Mm -hmm. in front of thousands of people given given awards and is probably I mean that's like the most heartwarming badass story I've ever heard. Yeah, she was the shit, and a lot of people don't know about her. It's not that big of a thing. I actually looked her up on YouTube. You can't find too much, Mm -hmm. Um, but there is a book called Sergeant Reckless. That's like it's America's greatest warhorse, and Mm -hmm. holy crap. Is it a cool story? Cool. I like the way that she they described her drinking beer, too. They would say that they would, like, hold the can in front of her, and she would just, like, bite into the can and then tilt her head back and just go, like, chug the beer down. She would get hammered. And they said the first time she was around one of those rifle shots, she got scared. But then after that, she was fine. And that they said you would hear those rifle shots, and every other animal within... 100 miles would be gone and there's just this one horse and there was many accounts of people laying there thinking they were going to die and then just seeing her come up over the ridge being like holy shit Mm -hmm. there she is that's the story of sergeant reckless and i think it's a good story i think it's like heartwarming and that's a great one yeah and that's all the animals that we have for uh this episode but there are tons more animals that have more clout than you for sure and I'm sure you could find them if you look on the internet. Just Google, you know, animals <laughs> with more clout than me. But I do have some pets that we wanted to talk about in a little bit we call Kitty Cat Corner. Meow. Meow. So in our last Kitty Cat Corner, we 
talked about how we just recently adopted three new kittens. Little kittens. They're precious. Tiny kitten babies. Mm -hmm. So I thought we'd just do a little update on how they're doing. They're doing spectacular. They're doing great. They're now... Four months old. Yeah. We got them at two months old. They grow so fast. I it's know. Crazy. They're getting so big. And they're getting individual personalities mm-hmm. real strong now. Yes. Yeah, so and now that they're a little bit older, we're kind of getting a more sense of who they are they're as different. little kitties. And yeah, they have very distinct, or they're developing very distinct personalities. They will be having their second vet visit next week. They've got yeah. more rounds of vaccines and shots They're going to love that. Um, probably not. And then I would say within about a month, I think we're going to get them spayed and neutered. Awesome. Because we have two boys, Harry and William, and a little girl, Erlene. Personality-wise, William is the adventurous one. So he's like all majestic and adventurous. Mm-hmm. And Harry's kind of lazy and fatter. I think Harry's going to be like my first real chonky cat. Yeah. And I'm... Really excited, and about then Arlene <laughs> is little teeny tiny, uh-huh. but she's a Spitfire. Yeah, and she's, she'll lunge at you. She also seems to have thumbs. She has, seems to have extra. She's got. She's polydactyl. She has like an extra digit, and it looks like a thumb, which means on both it, front paws. If she could master it, she could open doors. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think she can. But they call it like polydactyl. Yeah, it's pretty cool. She's got extra little finger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's so cute. She's so little and precious. They're at that stage where they're learning how to be cats, so they do crazy things yeah they're like i can jump from here to here and sometimes they can and sometimes they sometimes they miss Mm -hmm. entirely (laughs) so they're at that stage also where they bounce off of things like they're made out of rubber because Mm -hmm. i'll see them run full speed and t-bone each other and then Uh or run right into the door yeah and just bounce off of it Uh like nothing happened yeah so that they're at that phase which is pretty great i love watching it makes me feel young watching it's like yeah and it's a nice distraction too from Mm-hmm. You know, the world. Yeah. <laughs> Currently. This crazy world that we live in that yeah. we're in quarantine during the holidays. Yep. We're actually recording this on a holiday. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Um yeah. Yeah. Kittens. Kittens, they're adorable. They're great. Rescue a cat today. And that does it for this week's episode of the Carolina Snowflakes podcast. If you like what you heard, especially about kitty cats. <laughs> You can find our website on the internet, which also has lots of cats. <laughs> our website doesn't have lots of cats. No, but the internet does. Oh, right, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, the internet's just crawling with cats. And also our podcast at... CarolinaSnowflakes.com. <laughs> there we go. And we have a Facebook, which Facebook's crawling with cats, literally. That's why I'm on there all the time. Mm-hmm. Facebook.com forward slash Carolina Snowflakes. And if you've got pictures of cute cats or you want to just talk to us about how cute animals are, you can send us an email at <laughs> Carolina Snowflakes at gmail.com. gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.